Okay, thank you for those who um, have put questions here. Uh, in no sensible order whatsoever here as I read them. Okay, you, if the answer to the two questions after a relationship has ended is no to either or both, how do you move forwards? What do you do to move on? Okay, so two good questions to ask when you're dating. Are we growing, both growing as Christians? And are we honouring one another physically and emotionally? Uh, those are two both good questions. The relationship's finished. Oops. Uh, and the answer to one or both is no. What do you do to move on? I think you confess confess your sin, and you, you may want to confess that to the person you've been out with. It could be quite hard, couldn't it? I mean, it may be easiest to do it in a letter, to say, I'm sorry. I think we made mistakes, and I, I was obviously responsible, or in part responsible. I mean, depends how it's... But I, I want to apologize to you for encouraging us to act in a certain way for the fact that we didn't so I think to I mean if you can have that conversation face to face great oh, it's not always easy to do but to write a letter to apologize I think would be the right thing to do and then of course to confess your sin to God um, and know his forgiveness through Jesus Christ and to one of your good friends same sex um to tell them, to say, look, do you know what? When I was, bloke, when I was going out, I'm Jack, when I was going out with Jill, we got it wrong in this arena. Next time I'm going out with someone, ask me. It would be a good thing to do. Uh, what do you do to move on? Confess your sins and move on. Move on. Know that you're forgiven in Jesus Christ. How, next one. How do I read Ephesians 5.31? For what reason will a man leave his father and mother? What is the mystery? Well, for what reason will a man leave his father and mother? It's to be married. Um, that's the context of Genesis 2, uh, and that's certainly how Jesus explains it in Matthew 19, uh, that the Genesis 2 passage is talking about marriage. So what reason will a man leave his father and mother to marry, to form a new family? What is the mystery of Ephesians 5? The mystery is that the relationship between a husband and a wife is a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. That's the mystery. Um, that's a profound thing. How, how, what, what, well, just, it just is. So husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up, sacrificing themselves for the holiness of their wives. Wives are to submit to the husbands as the Christ does to Jesus Christ. The church does to Jesus Christ. Um, that's the mystery. Is Paul trying to tell me God always meant the man of Genesis to be Jesus? No. No, he's not saying that. The mystery is that the husband, wife, is a picture of Christ and church. Come back at any of these. Uh, so I'm not ignoring it. That's a thank you. Um, any advice on how we can free ourselves from past people we've loved 
even if we know a breakup was the right thing. Any advice on how we can free ourselves from past people we've loved, even if we know a breakup was the right thing? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, it's quite hard to answer that with, without a bit more context. So, a relationship has ended for a reason, no, I, whatever it is, but you still have strong uh, feelings. Yeah, time helps. Um, praying for their flourishing helps. Uh, yeah. Praying for that they would, whatever they go on to do next, would flourish. Uh, you don't want to keep praying for them. Yeah. That nausea, oh, repeatedly, of course, things just sort of can bring up pain. Time helps. Getting on with other life, getting on with life helps. Um, it's hard to move on if you don't move. That sounds very glib, doesn't it? But if you if you have a breakup and caricature, 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 you spend every night on your own drinking wine on your own in your bedroom, a la what's her name, Bridget Jones. Then you don't really move forward. Uh, you've got to throw yourself into other things. Otherwise, of course, you're just going to dwell on what's happened because there's nothing filling your time. So crack on with life in one sense, serving the Lord, being involved in things. I'm sorry, I feel that's a poor answer. I think it's quite hard to answer that one without a bit more context. Uh, I've heard a range of opinions, but what should a Christian think about masturbation? How, when thinking about marriage, should we deal with, discuss past sexual sin? Okay. A range of opinions. What should I think about masturbation? I think when you read the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Then masturbation is pretty much covered there, I would have thought. Again, I don't want to be crude, but hard not to think that those two parts of the body are pretty significant uh, in the whole process. Jesus is saying, don't do it. Um, again, again, at this point, people say, oh, that's just so hard. Y- yeah. It's hard to tame the tongue. It's hard not to be anxious. It's hard not to be angry. It's hard not to covet. But in none of those areas do we say, well, to be honest, it's just too hard, so just a little bit is fine. Why would you say that of anything biblically? Just because it's... And people, I think increasingly guys say this to me, it's just too hard, it's unrealistic. It's pointless you saying don't do it. It's just unrealistic. I think we, the, the, the pressure of the culture, the images in front of us, the ease... You know, by all accounts, 80% of 16-year-olds have viewed pornography online. Ten-year-olds are now being taught how to view pornography wisely. What does that mean? Um, uh, extraordinary. I, the pressure upon us is enormous. Is to come underestimate that. But I don't think the Bible gives us permission to say, well, it's, yeah, it is hard, isn't it, Uncle? Once a week's fine. You know, once a week to really slag someone off is fine. 
I mean, it's taming the tongue is really hard. Just once, it's fine. No one doesn't harm anyone. You can't. And of course, some say, are you for real? It's impossible. It's hard. It's hard. Yep. Really hard. It's not saying it's easy, but I, I don't, uh, I think so. So I think Jesus covers it by, um, uh, and the Sermon of the Mount, gouge, cut out. It is uh, selfish sex. Sex is not meant to be selfish. It's meant to be selfless and giving. Uh, again, it, the connotations it has are very bad and unhelpful. Even you think, I have a, a healthy uh, sex life with my spouse, uh, but I just also uh, masturbate as well. Well, the problem is that, that you can't really do that um, because you, you're associating orgasm with certain images and over a time that'll affect the relationship you have with your wife you can't you can't do that and of course the crazy thing people say is oh it's only while i'm single when i'm married i won't have a problem with it it's an addiction that's like an alcoholic saying well i go to a dinner party and i have a glass of wine there and i'll never have a problem drinking elsewhere Look, if you're an addict, one glass of wine at a dinner doesn't do it for you. You drink whiskey at 10 a.m. in the morning as well. If you're an addict, sex with your wife or your husband doesn't do it for you. You seek out pornography and other things elsewhere because you're addicted. That's addiction. Very naive to say it'll stop. Um, uh, when thinking about marriage, should we deal, uh, should we deal with, discuss past sexual sin? Perhaps not with each other. I don't get the bit in brackets. Um, uh, sexual sin with each other or discuss with each other? You have to discuss with each other. Yes, at some point you have to talk about that issue. Um, I would imagine it's normally, there's no rules on it, but uh, probably when you're engaged or, or just at the point of, whatever that means, I'm not sure. But probably when you're, enga- when, when you're engaged, you've got to have full disclosure of past relationships. I don't mean that. You've got to disclose past relationships. You don't need to describe everything that took place. That would be a a daft thing to do. But you need to be honest about past relationships and mistakes you've made. Um, So you can't lie. What what, what sort of basis is that to enter marriage? You've got to be honest with one another. Um, You've got to do that. How should we deal with, discuss? Um, Yeah, on, yeah, not in a public place. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say in one sense. You've got, you got to have that conversation. Um, uh, when there's time, uh, you know, it's not the ideal time to do it on a Sunday night at 10 o'clock when you're about to go your separate ways for a few days. Um, you know, practically, you want to have that conversation when you're going to see someone in the next couple of days again. Because it's a painful one. It's a painful one to have. God is very good, though. You know, that letter I read out of Kate, and that's true in that uh, sexual activity before marriage, when it's taken in, it can really affect the marriage. It doesn't always, but it can really affect. But God is gracious, and he, he can restore all sorts of pain. Um, there's always forgiveness, but the consequences can take a while, but God is gracious. He's gracious. But you know, there'd be some here in church who would say, I mean, you could do such a thing like they do on the TV with a 
silhouette and an actor's voice would say, oh, look, I made mistakes sexually before I was married and I can't tell you how badly it's affected us. Don't do it. Don't do it. But at the same time, there's progress. There's progress. What do you think is the best word or language to describe having sex in marriage? <laughs> Variable. <laughs> well, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. I mean, I think I've missed the point of that question. Um, but I'm not sure what, what, what the angle... What the... A good gift, marred by sin, which can be restored in God's grace. That's more than one word you'll have observed. But, um... uh, it's hard in a city church to have the community and intimacy and friendships that we need. Uh, how can we do this better? You have to have a go. And you have to uh, make yourself vulnerable. That's the point in, in any relationship. For it to work, for it to be good, you, you do have to make yourself vulnerable. Of course, the more times you do that, uh, the harder it becomes. Um, and so, you, 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 you know, no one friend does everything for you, you know. It's only it's only children who really believe in best friends. I mean, I don't. Sorry, I don't mean to be patronising. Many of us would say, "Oh, my best mate is Bill, Fred, Andy, whatever it may be." But they don't do everything. Um, it, they may be a brilliant friend, but you, they just they they like football. So you can't go to a football match with them. What use is that? Um, you know, it's different. You have different friends. Do you know? No one friend does everything, but. Um, uh, you have to have a go. You have to invest in friendship. You have to be the sort of, you have to be the friend you want to be. What's this? It's no different to being a spouse. You should try and be the spouse you want to have. You have to be to people the friend that you want to have. Uh, and accept, you know, whatever it is. 2013. Right. I'm going to try to be invest in ten people, new people, to see if they become friends. And what happens, you know, uh, two of them, it never goes anywhere. Two of them, you think, oh, I really like them. And then after a while, they just let you down. You say, oh, stuff it. Um, another two, it goes a bit better. I mean, you just got to be realistic on these things with friendships. And people come and go. In, I, mean, I don't know what, I'm spouting rubbish now, aren't I? But you go, in life, you've got to be realistic. How many friends for life do you think you have? Honestly, I think you can have three or four. And some people have less than that. People that you're genuinely going to keep up with all your life. Look, I'm not an old man. I'm, I'm, I'm in my prime, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, 40 years old, you think, how many friends have I got from school? It varies, doesn't it? For me, zero. Wasn't I was unpopular at school? It's just you know, I've got 
How many friends from university? Oh, a bit more there. You know, but you know, so so two from university that I still speak to on a regular basis. Others I see, you know, you see, but two friends that I think I don't ever lose contact with them. You know, since then, you know, another one I can envisage will still be fighting in rocking chairs, etc. Um, but you've got to be realistic in life. Lots of other people, you, you meet them for a period of whatever it is, five years, and you have fabulous friendship with them. It is a brilliant friendship, and you love them, and you just click, and you connect, and you have a fa- you know, it's terrific. And then they go and wretchedly move back to Australia or something like that, you know. And you think, well, of course, you know, we will come and visit you eventually. Um, but it's not, you know, we love you and we'll see you in heaven and that'll be good. Um, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna ring once a week. We're not gonna ring once a month. It's just not gonna work like that, is it? But for those five, six years, it's been fabulous. And it's just realistic. You've got to be realistic on that in life. You have two, maybe three, that you keep the whole duration. And others come and go. It's fine. Not, you know, don't mean to crush your dreams or, you know, anything. You know, you just, uh, and that's why the church is a special place because it's a place where you can be honest more quickly. Because we're a community which says yeah, we live by repentance and faith. So you can confess your sins and know that they're going to let you down and you're going to let them down, but you forgive one another. Um, and sometimes, not, not, not straight, but essentially I've been at this church for 11 years and I've seen a lot of people come and go. Um, I said one or two others as you nods at the back. Uh, and sometimes you think, oh, city centres, people come and go. And you think, oh, you know, meet new people. And you think, oh, Lord, actually it's a wonderful privilege. Hey, will you give me the grace to go again and make myself vulnerable again? Thank you. And oh, and you, you meet people in September 2012, and very quickly you think, we could become really good friends. Really good friends. Um, I don't know. Do you, be realistic. Enjoy people while you're with them. Expect most friendships to end. Love them while you've got them. I mean, it's just true, you do. How many, I'm I'm talking around in circles. Covenants. How many friends can you have that are covenantal friends? Ones that you really commit to for life? Two or three. Got to be realistic. Others enjoy them. Enjoy friendships. They come and go. Painful when they go. Yeah, it is. Cry when they go. That's okay. That's normal. And have another go. Um, But you've got to make yourself vulnerable. I have no idea if I've given any sort of answer. Why don't we pray and then um, go and make some friends? Let's <laughs> go and have a drink. Our Father, you know that the uh, the thoughts we have in our head as we leave here tonight, uh, some will have found this evening uh, interesting. Other, fathers, it's painful, and there is guilt and frustration and longings that feel frustrated and we don't want to listen to this stuff and we're not where we want to be. 
for others, just seems exciting and uh, stuff to anticipate in the future. You know where we're at, Father. Give us the grace we need to live for you and how we long for uh, your church and this church to be a place where there are wonderful friendships, uh, where there's real uh, intimacy and honesty. Uh, And give us the grace to be those sort of people, to make those sort of friendships we pray, which will honour you, which will be a delight and a sustenance to us. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.